Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. The Roman Empire was one of the largest empires in world history. Its lasting influence in language, culture, religion, inventions, architecture, philosophy, law, and government played a significant role in the development of the modern world that we live in today. At the epicenter of this empire was the city of Rome. The city of Rome shaped culture in its day, and the city of Rome has shaped culture throughout the generations since its day. Christians living during the Roman Empire, specifically those Christians who lived in the city of Rome, faced an unbelievable challenge of, in the midst of a culture and a society that was having such an influence in shaping the way people thought and acted, followers of Jesus in that culture had the constant battle of allowing themselves to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God and not constantly drifting with the changes in culture that Rome had brought. So much was that challenge that the Apostle Paul wrote a letter (coughs) to the Christians who were living in this cultural epicenter. We have it in our Bibles called the Book of Romans. It was a letter that Paul wrote addressing Christians living during these difficult times in the city of Rome. And in chapter 12, there's a phrase that I want you to see up on the screen that Paul challenged them with. Listen to what he said to them. Do not be conformed to this world. Now you must remember the backdrop upon which that phrase was written. Maybe the greatest cultural shaping empire in the history of civilization and Paul writes to them and he says don't be conformed the word conformed is a word that that, that's a compound word it's made up of two phrases together with and the idea of to fashion and he's saying don't don't be fashioned together with don't be patterned after The world around you. I love J.B. Phillips' translation of that phrase. Listen to the way he translates it. Don't let the world around you squeeze you 
into its mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. We live in a civilization today, in a culture in the United States of America, that in many ways is like the Roman Empire. And by that, I mean this. Rome in its day had the attention of the entire world. And the entire world was being shaped by whatever happened in Rome. The United States of America has the attention of the world. In many ways, our nation, our civilization is shaping cultures all over the world. And Paul is challenging the believers in Rome and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God is challenging us today that as followers of Jesus, we should not allow our lives, our attitudes, our actions, our values, and our opinions, they should not be fashioned by the changing pattern of the world. They should be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And this battle is constant. We are constantly having to evaluate opinions, ideas, philosophies, values in light of what God's Word says because we live in a culture that is rapidly drifting from a biblical worldview. And one area in American culture that we have allowed to shape our attitudes as Christians in the 21st century is our view towards children. If we're not careful, we allow the world around us and the values and the opinions and the attitudes of our culture to shape our perspective towards our children instead of letting the Word of God be the standard from which we establish our worldview. I love Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He's, he's one of my favorite <coughs> preachers and writers to read and to, 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 to listen to what he had to say in his day. Charles Spurgeon was used mightily all over the world. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. Look at this quote. Where society is rightly ordered, children are regarded... Not as an encumbrance, but as an inheritance. And they are received not with regret, but as a reward. I want you to think about that statement in light of our society. Where society is rightly ordered, children are regarded not as an encumbrance, as an inheritance. What I want to do today in honor of Mother's Day, if you're visiting with us, we're studying straight through the, the book of 1 Peter together as a family of faith. We're going to pick that back up next weekend. This weekend, I, I just felt led to take a weekend out of 1 Peter 
And in honor of Mother's Day, we don't always do something unique on Mother's Day with the message, but just felt led this year to do something special to, to let us bring our perspective and our worldview because we're battling the same thing the church in Rome did. We're battling the tension of allowing a world around us to shape our attitude, our values, our opinions, and it's a constant battle. So what I want us to do this morning, the Bible calls itself a plumb line. I want us to to take our lives and our attitudes and measure ourselves against the plumb line of the Word of God. If you have your Bible, open to Psalm 127. In the 127th Psalm, the psalmist gives us some insight about a biblical worldview when it comes to children. Psalm 127, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to put these up on the screen so you can follow along as I read. Listen to what it says. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. What I want to give you this morning are three words. Three words that I hope will allow you to leave. And I want to give you these words as handles so that as you think about your children or your grandchildren or you think about children in general, I want you to allow these three words to shape your perspective. Here's the first word. Children are a treasure. Say that out loud with me. Children are a treasure. Say the last word. Treasure. Is that what you think about when you think about children? Treasure. What does treasure mean? I want to put a definition of it up on the screen. The word treasure means something that you take great care of because you think it is valuable or important. Because of its value, because of its significance, you treasure, you take extra care. Children are a treasure. I want you to listen to some of the words in our culture that are used to describe children. And here's what I challenge you to do. This week, as you're watching the news or reading news on the the internet or reading the paper, whatever, however you get your news media, I want you to listen for these words because you're going to hear them. Here are some words that our culture uses to describe children. Burden. Responsibility. Dependent. Inconvenience. Choice, hardship. Those are words that you'll hear in the news to describe children. Now I want you to contrast that with the words the psalmist used here. Gift, reward, blessing. You hear the difference? You hear how we've, even inside of Christian circles allowed our culture around us to begin to shape our worldview. 
When we have a biblical worldview, we see children as a treasure. And, and the psalmist tells us a couple of things about this treasure. First of all, children are a treasure given by God. Did you hear what he said? Verse 3, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The word behold there is a Hebrew word that, that's an attention getter. If we were translating that today in just contemporary English, instead of behold, we would say, hey, listen. Sometimes when I'm teaching, I don't say behold. I say, hey, lean up, listen, right? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. Listen, children are a gift of the Lord. Meaning a gift given to us by God himself. Don't miss that. Children are not just some biological product. They are a gift of God. I want you to think about when you receive a gift from somebody of great value. If somebody gives you something. It's very valuable. Even in line today, as I handed out these gifts, they're not of great value, but just these little gifts that we're giving these folks. When I, when I give them, even these little children, several of them immediately when they, they took that gift, immediately they said, thank you. You see, when you get a gift that you value, and when you get that gift from somebody that you value, It produces a sense of gratitude. I know it can get crazy. I know when you talk about parents and their children, I know that that they can test your patience. I know that it can get out of hand. I know that sometimes it can stretch you to the very end of your being, it feels like. But don't forget, they are a gift of God. And we should be grateful. Mom and Dad, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you just stopped and thanked God for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren? I know we spend a lot of time in His presence asking God to do things, right? Lord, would you fix this kid? God, would you, Lord, would you, would you do this? Would you do that? God, would you grow them up? Lord, would you show them this? When's the last time you just said, God, thank you for the gift of children? Children are a treasure given by God. Children are a treasure of great value. You see that in the words that he uses here. Hear those words, gift, reward, blessing. In Hebrew, each one of these words in a different way describes something of great value. You see it in the words that he uses. Children are valuable. They're a valuable gift. You not only see it in the, the words that he uses, but you see it in the picture that he gives us. He says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. 
It's kind of an interesting illustration here in the middle of this very motherly, intimate kind of context about children and their parents. He inserts this idea of warrior, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What's he talking about? Hey, in battle, is there anything more valuable to the warrior than his arrow? I mean, what are you going to do with that bow, right, (laughs) without an arrow? That's why in battle, the warrior would take his arrows and he'd put them in a quiver, and his quiver he would attach tightly to his body so that at every moment, the, the, the warrior knew, no matter what was going on in battle, he knew where his arrows were. Why? Because they were valuable to him. Children are a treasure. Second word. Children are a trust. Say it out loud with me. Children are a trust. Say the word, trust. Put the two together, treasure and trust. You ready? Treasure and trust. A trust. What is a trust? Let me put a definition on the screen from Webster's Dictionary. Look what he says. A trust is something committed or entrusted to one to be used or cared for in the interest of another. A trust. Now, now mom and dad, I want you to hear this. Here's what it means. Ultimately, these kids do not belong to you or to me. Ultimately, they're not ours. They have been entrusted to us. They've been entrusted to us by God himself as our children, and we are to care for them on his behalf. My family ultimately belongs to the Lord. My wife and I have been blessed by the Lord with four children. All of our children God has given to us, and we have a stewardship of caring for those children on His behalf. Here's what that means. My attitude towards my role as a parent reveals my heart attitude about my relationship with God. Because when I understand children are a treasure given to me by God, and I understand that they're a trust that's been given to me to care for on His behalf, really now my role as a parent, it reveals my heart towards God and stewarding the things that God has placed into my life, including my children. Children are a trust. And the psalmist here tells us two ways that they have been entrusted to us. Number one, they've been entrusted to us for a definite period of time. I want you to look back at verse number four. Look what he says there. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. I had read this passage of scripture hundreds of times, preached it before I I saw that phrase. So are the children of one's youth. That little phrase, youth there, of one youth, it's a Hebrew expression for early seasons in a person's life. You ever heard the expression, they grow up fast? Yeah, all the moms and dads whose kids are growing or have grown, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? I used to say that and not know what I was talking about. Now that I have two that are out of my house in college and a third about to go to college, I understand what it means when it says they grow up fast. They grow up fast. 
This week I was watching uh, Pastor Travis and I were at the gym, and uh, of course you know Pastor Travis goes to the gym, right? I mean, you don't, you don't look at me and know, but when you see Pastor Travis, right, you know Travis goes to the gym. Well, he lets me go with him, and I, I just stand back and applaud when he lives. Right? <laughs> Pastor Travis and I were at the gym this week, and on the news was a program uh, about these, these, these little, little kids. They were honoring moms, and uh, one of the little kids there, uh, when, when I saw something that that child did, it just, in me, as a little baby, probably two, three months old, as soon as I saw that little child's reaction to what was happening, it took me back to a moment in our lives with our kids when they were two or three months old. And it was like it was yesterday. And that's been 19, 20 years. They grow up fast. Happens quickly. That's what the psalmist said. Like arrows in the hands of the warrior, so are the children of one's youth. What he's, what he's reminding us is, you have a window of opportunity. And listen to me, it is short. Now, depending on your season of life that you're in right now, it doesn't feel short, right? I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing moms and dads whose kids have graduated college and whose kids have just gotten married and all the moms and dads going, oh my gosh, you're right, it's short. And I'm looking around the room at moms and dads whose kids are over there in the other building and they're going, it don't feel short at all right now. It feels long. <laughs> just hang on. You're going to look back and go, good night, it went by so fast. My wife and I are in a different we're in the middle of transitioning in seasons. We have, like I said, two of our kids already out in college and out of the house living on their own. A third one just about there. He's graduating this year. And then we have the 11-year-old at home. So we're kind of right in the middle of some of those seasons of transition. The window of time is short. Let me tell you what that does from a biblical worldview perspective. It establishes a priority. The priority in the season when the children are at home is the stewardship of the trust that God has given to you. <clears throat> there will be plenty of time, plenty of time to develop your hobbies. There will be plenty of time to advance your career. There will be plenty of time for all those things. I, listen, I'm not, none of those things, hobbies, advancing your career, those are not bad things. They're not wrong things. They just can't be the priority during this season. This season has to be devoted to the priority of the trust that God has given to us. They've been given to us for a definite period of time. Secondly, they've been given to us for a definite purpose. This trust not only is a short time window, but there's a, a definite reason God gave us these children. Again, go back to the phrase, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What's the purpose of an arrow? Well, in its most simplest form, the purpose of an arrow is to hit the target, right? Whatever the target is, if it's target practice, if it's the enemy, if it's, if it's the hunt, whatever it is, the purpose of the arrow is to hit the target. And here's the reality. The straightness of the flight of that arrow is dependent upon the hours of practice put in by the archer. 
You don't just walk out in the field. If any of you have ever shot a, a bow and arrow, I grew up in the area where people hunt a lot. I didn't do much hunting. I did a little bit. And, but if you've ever shot a bow and arrow, you don't just walk out in the field, pick up a bow and arrow, and pull it and hit the target, right? It is not as easy. You go to pull that thing back, right? And everything, it's shaking everything about you because you don't just walk out and hit a target. you got to spend a lot of time getting the feel of that bow, the feel of those arrows. And only after much time spent do you walk out and hit the target. What does that have to do with our kids? God's given you your children, and they have a purpose. Their purpose is to know Him and to live their lives out of the overflow fellowship with Him. And through their fellowship relationship with God, to live on mission with God, to accomplish His eternal purpose. And here's what I'm saying to you. That doesn't just happen haphazardly. Much time spent with the arrow. And I know what you're thinking because we all think it. Pastor, the last thing I got more of is time. Life is so busy. How do I invest more time? Well, let me, let me, let me read you a passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy that, that I think will bring some insight. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Listen to what the Word of God says. It's to parents. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. As you think about (coughs) investing time into your children, I want to give you two phrases to to really kind of wrap your mind around. Number one, your walk. Notice before he said, teach to your kids and talk with your kids, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. As you think about investing into your kids, I want you to think about your walk. And here's what I mean by that. The greatest investment you can make in your children is to let them see an authentic walk with God in your life. If you will let your children see, and listen, that doesn't mean that you show them perfection. I said let your kids see a real, genuine walk with Jesus, which means they're going to see you up and they're going to see you down. They're going to see you succeed and they're going to see you fail. But they are going to watch you navigate through this life in an intimate pursuit of Christ in a real, genuine way. Not this way that puts on a show when you come to church. I'm talking about a real, genuine faith where it shapes the way you make decisions, where it shapes the way you establish priorities in your home, where it shapes the way you love your spouse and serve them, when it shapes the way you work at your job. Let your kids see you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the greatest investment you can make in the lives of your kids, your walk. Let me give you a second phrase. 
Not just your walk, but your talk. And let me say this. Your talk is useless if your walk is not real. The worst thing you can do is talk it and not walk it. That's when kids see hypocrisy and look for their first opportunity to bolt out the doors of Christianity. Your walk and then your talk. He says, talk to them. It's an interesting word. The word talk here is a word that means to say or speak to someone. It's the idea of conversation. Meaning that he's not necessarily here talking about formal moments where you sit down and do Bible study with your family. He's talking about those moments of conversation where you're living life. I love the way Barry Schaefer said it. Look on the screen. He said, God wasn't picturing an occasional devotional moment or a quick pre-meal prayer. God's words were to be intentionally impressed on the younger generations as they were woven into the fabric of everyday life. When you're living a genuine, authentic faith, then you look for opportunities as life presents itself to speak truth into the lives of your kids. He gave us four that he mentions here. He says, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Let me give them to you. Number one, he says, when you sit in your house. I call that around the house. You look for those opportunities around the house when you're just hanging out. Number two, when you walk by the way. That's that's when you're on the go. In, In this day, when this was written, they walked everywhere they went. If he was riding it today, he'd probably say in the car. Number three, before you lie down. That's the end of the day. Number four, when you rise up, that's the beginning of the day. You see what he's talking about here? Just everyday normal. This is not me looking. Listen, I'm just going to be honest now. In the rhythm of my family, we struggled because of all the challenges of life today to find those moments where you could carve out a definite time where everybody comes together because of the age range in families. It was difficult. I'm not saying it's not important. Fight for it. But the real teaching opportunities with your kids are the everyday moments as you live life around the house, on the go, before they go to bed, when they get up, and out of, the, out of, a, out of a lifestyle of authentic faith, you are looking for opportunities to speak the truth out of the lifestyle of genuine faith into their lives. And let me give you a liberating truth. The greatest lessons you will ever teach your children will not be in a formal setting, but in the informal activities of life. Think about Jesus. Jesus, the greatest teacher who ever lived. How did he teach his disciples? We read very few times where Jesus sat the disciples down and said, Okay, let me open the word and let me teach you. (laughs) But there were a whole lot of times where in the everyday rhythm of life, Jesus took the word of God and made application into their lives and experienced life-changing moments with his disciples. As you live life, look for moments to speak into their lives. Why is this such a big deal? Well, look what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at it on the screen, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that, listen, from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Hear what he said? 
He said, it is the word of God that was sown into your heart in those everyday teaching moments when you were a kid that God, by the Holy Spirit, used later in life to give you the wisdom that led you to salvation. Here's what that means. Mom and dad, as you use everyday life situations to lay the truth of the Word of God down on the lives of your children, here's what you're doing. You are giving the Holy Spirit of God ammunition in their lives to ultimately use that to draw them to saving faith and a real genuine walk with Him. They're a trust. Third and final word. Children are a testimony. Say that out loud. Children are a testimony. Say all three words, treasure, trust, testimony. A testimony to what? A testimony to the next generation. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. I love the way the message paraphrases that that second half of that verse. It says the fruit of the womb is His generous legacy. God has given us through our children the gift of being able to touch future generations for the glory of God. Long after you and I are off the scene, we can pass down through our children the testimony of God. I I got to see this this week. It was such a blessing in my life because I told you, we're at a different season. Some of our kids are out of the house now. We've spent the years like you trying to, before God, do the best we could to model Christ and to speak truth in those moments and in those seasons. This week, both of my sons told me about young men that they'd personally led to Christ this week and watched my oldest daughter lead in worship this week. I mean, that's what it's about, right? That's why we're doing this. People now being led to Christ by my kids. Are you kidding me? It doesn't get any better than that, right? They're a testimony. People that you'll never get to speak to. Your kids are going to get to speak to. And God in you, working through you in the lives of your kids, is preparing them to reach people that you'll never contact. Listen to the way the psalmist, I'll close with this verse. Look what he said. Psalm 78. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. Why? That the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. A testimony. Children are a treasure. Children are a trust. Children are a testimony. We must allow our values, our opinions, our ideas to be shaped by the Word of God and not by society.